Listener Production. Earlier this week, we interviewed one of the leading Indigenous Yes campaigners, Noel Pearson. We're the underdog in this race. I think Australians don't want to maintain the status quo. Who would want to? It's too miserable. Indigenous people are suffering. So in this episode, we're going across to the other side and get in-depth with one of the most prominent Indigenous No campaigners, Warren Mundine. Warren Mundine is a very interesting man. He's from the Bundjalung people on the north coast of New South Wales. He started in local politics in Dubbo and then eventually became the national president of the Australian Labor Party in 2006. Now, he tried to get a seat with Labor, but it never happened. Later, he switched to the Liberal Party. He was on Tony Abbott's National Advisory Council. He actually ran for a Liberal Party seat in 2019, but didn't get in and recently has been mentioned on a shortlist of names for an upcoming Liberal Party Senate vacancy. He's also worked in Indigenous employment and chairs a mining company. And this year, he stepped up as the face of the No campaign. And alongside Jacinta Napajimpa-Price, he's the most prominent No campaigner. Warren Mundine, thank you for joining us on The Briefing. Oh, thanks for having me. Tell us, why do you think The Voice is such a bad idea? Well, first of all, you know, I've got to say we have voices. Currently at the moment we have the Coalition of the Peak which sits at the uh, National Cabinet and there's 80 Aboriginal organisations sit on that. And we also have, you know, something like two to 3,000 committees in that that advise local government. So this idea that we don't have a voice is, to me, is nonsense. The issue is uh, in regard to closing the gap. Are we going down the right way of closing that gap? Why aren't we meeting those outcomes? And for me, that's about accountability. It's about monitoring. And when you see problems and issues, it's about fixing them and making people accountable for those outcomes. But those existing organisations have already been doing their best to try and close the gap and they haven't worked. This is a new proposal. Are you arguing we should stick with the status quo, even though that hasn't been working? Well, no, no, I disagree on that. This this is the same old, same old, uh, because you've got to, and this is their words, you're going to have an Indigenous body called The Voice, and this is going to be an advisory group to government and then government can accept or not accept their advice. So what's the difference between that and what is happening now? Well, the only difference is that it's going to be in the Constitution. Uh, and so if it works or doesn't work and that, then we can't, you know, amend it or change it or anything like that. It, it, we're stuck with it because it's very, you know, technically you can take the voice out of the Constitution, but we know uh, changing the Constitution or amending it is, is bloody difficult, very difficult. So I'm hearing two key points from you there. One is that it would potentially add a, another layer of bureaucracy that wouldn't achieve anything, and also that it would be stuck in the Constitution and require another referendum to take it out. So if that's the worst-case scenario, that we create another layer of bureaucracy that doesn't work and that we have to take something out of the referendum... Isn't that worth it for the possibility of what could change? That if it really did, as the Yes campaigners say, advance the lives of Indigenous people, give them true self-determination to be able to tell government what they want, to be able to look at which policies work and which policies don't, and therefore advance Indigenous Australians, heal some of the wounds of the past, isn't it worth a try rather than sticking with the status quo? 
Well, that, that's what it is. That by having it in the constitution, it is the status quo. It is. But that's new, isn't uh, it? It is this. It, no, it's not. It's it's an advisory committee which we've got now, and the only difference will be it'll be in the constitution. And to me, that's a madness. Uh, I chair a exploration and mining company. Uh, we go on Aboriginal lands. We uh, through native title and land rights. The traditional owners are the owners of that land. We have to consult, uh, have to negotiate and come to an agreement to do things on their land. To me, that is a voice and it's been going really well over over the years. You see... But this won't replace those land councils. They'll still exist and still do that work. So, but why do you need a voice if they're ready, if they've got a voice? Because those land councils talk about land rights between mining corporations and traditional owners, but this could consult on a whole range of issues that affect people's lives right across Australia, and it will be a national voice. Well, it's, you know, and, and it's also against Aboriginal culture. Aboriginal culture is that, you know, I'm a Bundjalung person. I only can talk about things on Bundjalung country, and, and that involves everything in that process. So heritage, culture, you know, um, economic development, energy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But my people can't speak for Yungal country or Wiradjuri country or other Aboriginal people's country. So how is a voice, uh, this uh, voice, is going to be able to speak for every country in the country? You've been fronting the No Campaign's advertising and you've been echoing the key line of the campaign, which is, if you don't know vote no. Shouldn't that line be, if you don't know, find out? Aren't you just encouraging ignorance and capitalising on a fear of the unknown? It's beholden upon the people who want to change it to prosecute their case. Why the change needs to happen and how is it going to make the constitution better and how is it going to make it better for Australians? I haven't seen any arguments that have confronted that thing. Every time the Prime Minister or the Yes people say, well, look, it's going to be designed afterwards. Well, you know, if, if we're going to make a change of the Constitution, then we want to know what it's going to look like, what, how is it going to act, how is it going to make that change. You know, like when I saw the pamphlet from the Yes campaign, uh, they said, you know, unemployment, education, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, the voice will fix that. Well, my question is how? Well, they make representations to government so Aboriginal people are heard on how those policies would affect them and whether they'll work or not. Well, that's what we do now. But there's not the same sort of body that represents people from right around Australia. I mean, we do have some detail. You know, they have argued that the rest needs to be sorted out by Parliament because the Constitution doesn't go into the detail that the following legislation will. But we do know that it will be a national body. We know that it will have gender parity. We don't know how many people. We don't know exactly how they'll be selected or elected, but we do have some sense of, of what it will be. And and you, potentially as a as a future senator of the Liberal Party, might be involved in in <laughs> in coming up <laughs> well, with that legislation. I, I doubt if that's going to happen. But the, the issue is we do that now. But you know the reality of referendums. Uh, well, I, I know the reality. It of won't get up if you put in all this information that can then be shot down. You don't have to. You What you do is you talk about it. I'll give you an example. When the Prime Minister and the Minister for Indigenous Australians was uh, dragged 
kicking and screaming to Alice Springs uh, well, because of all the problems in those communities mm. and that up there, they made the comment, this would not happen if we had a voice. Well, that raises the question, uh, how do we know that? And the answer to me is if you really, truly believe that, then why aren't you legislating now for that to happen? Why do we have to go for a referendum? Why do we have to wait years? Because you're looking at 2025 before it all gets set up. Uh, why are we spending all this money which could be, you know, better used within those communities? But So that's my question. But we're not stopping uh, all the other they spending did, they never, just, just for this. They, it's Two things can exist oh, at once. They are, they are using at 360 to $380 million on the referendum. Why didn't they use that funds to get into these communities and work on them? Set up the legislation, get it to happen, and then we can see if it actually works. And if it, you know, even if it's... If, so you, you support know, that legisl- legislating the voices before putting them in the constitution? I, 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 I've always supported if you are going to make changes... Uh, you're going to come up with better ideas than that. Then put put them in a legislation. Let people debate it, and let and then see how it works. So you would support a voice always, if it was in no, legislation. I, I, that's a bit confusing. I don't support. I, I, no, it's not confusing at all. I, if you step back a second, I said if the prime minister and the minister for Indigenous Australians actually believe that then why don't they put it into legislation today? Well, isn't that because this is what Indigenous Australians asked for through the Uluru Dialogues. They had 10 regional dialogues. They came together at Uluru and they said, we don't want constitutional recognition on its own. What we want is a constitutionally enshrined voice. That's what they asked for and that's what the Prime Minister's responding to. This is not their original idea. Well, that, that that's, that's you know, all those people who went to Uluru, all those people in the dialogue, it was by invitation only. And they say that in their own documents. You can go to the government websites and that. So, so what it is, so when people, when people talk about that this is coming from Aboriginal people, it gives the impression it's coming from we had all these dialogues where all these Aboriginal people were involved and all this type of stuff, which is not true. vast majority of Aboriginal were never involved in that process. Are you saying they're not truly representative of Indigenous Australia? They're, in, they're, they're representatives of themselves. And their communities? Uh, there's no doubt. And, and no, because... There, no one had an election, no one had an appointment of people to, to represent their community. But isn't that like saying the Australian Parliament's not truly represented because there aren't 25 million people in Canberra? No, what they have there, they actually do have an election every three years sure. or sometimes shorter, depending on, and where all Australians who are eligible to vote will vote, and that's how you end up with a government that, uh, that is chosen by the Australian people. That never happened in this case. Warren, what's this journey been like for you? You're, you're there standing up against the people that were part of the Uluru Dialogue saying that they don't really represent Indigenous Australia properly, not as well as a democratic system, as you just pointed out. You're going against the polling of Indigenous Australians that says 80% support it. Has that come at a cost for you? Has this been difficult or challenging? You've talked about experiencing extreme racism during this campaign. 
Well, it, it has in a lot of ways because people, uh, you know, we only seen recently in the recent weeks and about how people are being treated. I was actually sitting with a, a, a client of mine, uh, it, you know, a few months ago and he got a text message because he was going to be voting no and he said and that he was called a racist. Now, we've got to stop this and I know racism is coming up from both sides in this argument and I admit that. What we've got to do is settle this down and stop these arguments, stop these fights uh, and calling each other names. Uh, You know, the people who are voting, yes, they have a right to prosecute their case and put it out there, and so does the people who are on the no side. So what happened to me, you know, and it's it's public known, I was driven to the edge of suicide now. So, Warren, was that in the middle of this, this campaign about the referendum? Yeah, it was, it's, yeah, it goes back a, a right. few months ago, yeah, wow. earlier this year. Are you doing better now? Oh, a lot better now, um, um, and, and that's why I do recommend that people do reach out because, uh, you know, the, the working with the doctors and and uh, on myself and, and going through the program they've laid out for me has helped me tremendously. Yeah. What was it that, if I may ask, what was it that rocked you so hard? Uh, it was just uh, the thing that rocked me so hard that, that, that okay, you got, you've always got people on the fringe of society who mm. who do these things. And I don't worry about them because they are the fringe of the society. We're talking about online abuse? Yeah, online abuse and that. So this one, what's happened in this is it's uh, it's it's moved to the centre, and this is where it's uh, dividing the country because you're getting all this abuse and carry-on. In fact, this morning I had a, a friend of mine uh, who put up no posters and cut people come along and rub dog poo on, on the posters and his wife and that felt and children felt really nervous about this. So we've got to stop this stuff because Australians, we are better than this. You know, whatever the vote comes out on the 14th of October... It's a democracy and we must respect it. The people have spoken and we must come back together to, 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 to do the things that we have to do to improve Indigenous people's lives. Warren, great to hear you're doing better than you were a few months ago and we really appreciate your time. OK, thank you very much. That was Warren Mundine. And always pretty sad to hear that abusive people on the internet actually drive people to the edge. I know lots of people... Even you may disagree with Warren's position, but obviously he's a human being making his arguments in good faith, so no one deserves that. Thank you so much for listening to that interview. I found it really interesting to hear Warren's views and to challenge Warren's views. Um, If you enjoyed the interview, please rate and review us on your podcast app or share it on social media. And by the way, if you do need help right now, if this interview brought up anything for you, you can call Lifeline right now on 13 11 14. Listener.